0: Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Alison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode 132 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. Every fortnight, I like to bring you an update on employment law, a case, or some just general HR and business advice for employers and HR professionals. And I'm pleased to say that I'm regularly getting comments and connections on LinkedIn from many of the listeners. So it's really great to hear from you, and I'm pleased that you're continuing to find the podcast content useful and i just wanted to say um thank you to a lady who got in touch with me via linkedin who said that she was a new listener to the podcast and she needed a bit of an employment law refresher to prepare for an interview after being away from hr for a couple of years so started listening and she got the job so thank you you have a new regular listener um so it was really really nice to receive that and for those of you who listen regularly you'll know that i'm always saying that i prepare the podcast normally over the weekend normally on a Sunday night, and it can be quite time consuming. So it's difficult to know if people are actually enjoying it or finding the content useful. So thank you so much to that lady, I won't say her name in case she doesn't want me to, but for getting in touch and saying how much she's finding the podcast useful. So with that in mind, I thought I would do a little bit of a basics uh, podcast for you today. So bring it back to basics. And this is an episode about discrimination. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's featured content. So I know that the law around discrimination and the Equality Act can be quite complicated and for employers who have no experience of this it can seem a bit of a minefield and very difficult to understand and there are a lot of myths around discrimination. I hear a lot of the time people saying that they've been discriminated against for whatever reason but it doesn't actually relate to a reason under the Equality Act and so there seems to be this myth around that discrimination can apply to anything when really the legal definition of discrimination is quite different. So what I thought I would do is to wrap it up into a single episode for you of discrimination the basics I'm calling it. Um, So I've tried to condense it into the few key points um, and it also follows an article that I've written on this, which you can find on the website and which I will link to in the show notes. So it's really about the basics. I would recommend sharing this with your colleagues if you're in in a business and you've got managers or people who are in charge of staff. It would be a good way for them to understand a bit about the basics and hopefully an easy, non-legal way of understanding it. So uh, the first thing that I want to say about discrimination and the basics is if things become messy or if you think they are likely to become messy or difficult or lead to a potential claim then I recommend you get advice at an early stage from somebody who knows what they're talking about. Um, Discrimination can be costly um, not only in terms of employment tribunal awards where there is no cap on compensation, but also in terms of reputation um, and the impact that it can have on your organisation and on other staff. So if you think something is going to be, become messy or is likely to result in some form of claim in the employment tribunal or some other kind of difficulty for your business, I do recommend that you get advice. So that's my first tip. My second tip, oh, well, I'm back to tips again. I don't actually mean it and tips. Uh, what I mean is, my second point, should I say, although it is a tip as well, is to be nice. Um, it's not a legal point, obviously. However, it is fundamental to being a good employer and to avoiding discrimination, accusations, and claims in the employment tribunal generally. So if you treat your staff fairly and equally, Um, regardless of legal obligations and you teach your managers and supervisors and other members of staff to behave the same way so you spread the culture amongst your organisation. Not only will you reduce the possibility of discrimination claims but you will also have a more productive and happy workforce. So just spread a culture of being nice and reasonable to each other regardless of discrimination legislation, regardless of Protected characteristics, just be nice and treat people fairly. So it is a tip, but that is the first, the second point I wanted to make about discrimination. I did mention earlier that discrimination is in relation to the Equality Act 2010. So for those who are new to discrimination law and to HR, perhaps, or if you're playing this to your managers and they've never heard about it before. The Equality Act 2010 is the real key piece of law in relation to discrimination. It brought together a number of acts that had developed over time and some of which were quite old actually. So you had the Sex Discrimination Act from 1975 and the Race Relations Act of 1976, for example, which had dealt with individual pieces of legislation around discrimination before, had been brought together under the Equality Act 2010. And this is the go-to law, if you like, in relation to discrimination. So the Equality Act 2010. The next thing you need to know about the basics of discrimination is protected characteristics. So under the Equality Act, they set out the characteristics, and I always want to do air quotes when I say characteristics there, um, which have protection from discrimination. And these are Age, disability, gender reassignment, marriage and civil partnership, pregnancy and maternity, race, religion or belief, sex and sexual orientation. So, what this means is that for an employee to be able to make a claim that they've been the victim of discrimination under the Equality Act, they must have one of these protected characteristics. So, this takes me back to what I was saying at the top, which is that Oftentimes people will say, oh that's discrimination that is, oh my mate down the pub told me I've been discriminated against, what can I do about it? When actually what they're talking about is just basic unfair treatment and it doesn't relate to a protected characteristic. It perhaps relates to the fact that they don't get on with their manager or they've had a fallen out with a colleague or they just work for a terrible employer. So whilst they may have other rights or causes of action in law, they don't have a claim under the Equality Act, unless they fit within one of those characteristics. So, what that means is general inequality among staff is not unlawful as long as the reason behind it is not because of a protected characteristic. The next thing I want to talk about in my discrimination, the basics, is religion or belief as a protected characteristic. And this is one of the most difficult areas and can throw up the most difficult issues and problems. And for those of you who listened to episode 131 of the podcast, you'll know that I talked about religion and belief as a protected characteristic in relation to vegetarianism. And this is just why, and one of the reasons why, belief in particular, for the purposes of the Equality Act, can be difficult for employers to understand, and in fact, even for lawyers to understand. There was recently a decision in the Employment Appeal Tribunal that beliefs about climate change can amount to a philosophical belief and therefore the employee qualified for protection from discrimination. As you will know if you listened to the last podcast, there has been a case in the Employment Tribunal about vegetarianism which decided that it wasn't a philosophical belief, but there is a case about veganism which is still waiting for the outcome. So the uncertainties around... Philosophical beliefs in particular is another reason why it's important as an employer to be fair and reasonable to your staff and to take advice from a specialist if you're in any doubt um, and obviously preferably before you take any action. The next point I want to raise in relation to discrimination is about disability. Now disability is the second characteristic that causes problems for employers because it can be difficult to know if someone has a medical condition in the first place and to to know if the condition qualifies as a disability. And as with the religion and belief, there have been a number of cases on this area. Um, And so it's very difficult for employers to establish if an employee actually has a disability for the purposes of the Equality Act. So again, it's important to, to proceed with caution. But what you need to know really is that in order to meet the definition of disability under the Equality Act, it's actually under section six if you want to look it up, is that the employee must have a physical or mental impairment and the impairment must have a long-term and substantial impact on their ability to carry out normal day-to-day activities. So if an employee has a physical or mental impairment that has an impact on their day-to-day activities, it's long-term and substantial then it's likely that they would fit into the definition of a disabled person for the purposes of the Equality Act. And as I said there, it does include mental impairments. So essentially an employee could have an invisible disability that you may not be aware of, particularly before they start working for you. And so if you are unsure about an employee's medical condition, it's important to get advice, to seek medical advice, to ask them questions and to try to determine if they would meet the definition of a disabled person, because that in turn brings various obligations to you, um, which I'll come on to uh, shortly. But as always, it is important to proceed with caution. The next thing I think you ought to know about discrimination is the types of discrimination that can occur. The first is direct discrimination. And this arises where, because of a protected characteristic, someone is treated less favourably than another or others. It's fairly straightforward and it can be quite a high test for employees to get over in terms of bringing a claim um, because it's very difficult to evidence direct discrimination uh, but it's something that you need to be aware of. The second type of discrimination is indirect discrimination. And this is easier for an employee to show, in my opinion, and more employees are likely to succeed with this. It's where, normally unintentionally, you as the employer introduce a rule or policy or a clause that, once it's put into practice, puts a group at a disadvantage because of their protected characteristic. So, for example, a classic one is where you introduce a policy that no one can work part-time. This policy could disadvantage female employees as a group because of their gender um, as traditionally they are more likely to be the ones working part-time. Now unlike direct discrimination if you can show that there is objective justification for the policy as long as it's a proportionate means of achieving a legitimate aim you will not have a ruling of indirect discrimination against you. So essentially what I'm saying there is that There isn't any defence to direct discrimination but for indirect discrimination it may be possible for you to have a defence if you can show that your policy is proportionate to achieve a legitimate aim. Next up is harassment, so general harassment which is another form of discrimination um, which arises where someone engages in unwanted conduct which is related to a protected characteristic And where that unwanted conduct has the purpose or effect of violating a person's dignity or creating an intimidating, hostile, degrading, humiliating or offensive environment for the employee. Now harassment has been in the spotlight a lot more recently, particularly in relation to sexual harassment, which I'll talk about in a minute, but it can take many forms and people aren't aware that even a one-off incident can amount to harassment So it's therefore really important as an employer that your staff understand the boundaries within which they can behave. You have good policies and procedures in place. You train staff to help them to understand what harassment is and which behaviours are appropriate and will be acceptable within your organisation. Because you as the employer can be liable for your, or will be liable should I say, for your staff's actions if they are guilty of harassing another member of staff. Now, sexual harassment has a slightly separate uh, definition in that it's the same, i.e. conduct that has the purpose of violating a person's dignity or creating an intimidating, hostile, degrading, humiliating or offensive environment for the employee. But this is where it is of a sexual nature. So instead of being general harassment, if the unwanted conduct is of a sexual nature, then it will be sexual harassment. And in addition to protection from conduct of a sexual nature, the law also provides protection for employees from less favourable treatment because of a rejection or submission to harassment of a sexual nature and related to sex or gender reassignment. So that is to say, because somebody, let's for example, turns down a sexual advance from their manager uh, if they're then treated to their detriment, uh, so you're given less favourable treatment or demoted or disciplined, something like that, then they would have additional protection under the Equality Act. The next form of discrimination is victimisation. And victimisation for the purposes of the Equality Act is slightly different to what you might think of victimisation generally. Um, and under the Equality Act, it provides protection for, for employees from detrimental treatment, If they have spoken out or made a complaint about discrimination. So it's there to ensure that employees don't feel that they have to stay quiet for fear of retribution. So if an employee raises a grievance or makes a complaint that they have been harassed, for example, uh, because of a protected characteristic or let's say sexual harassment, Um, If they say that they're going to consider taking it further or they're going to assist a colleague who's making a claim, um, then they can't have detrimental treatment because of that. So therefore, it's to ensure that employees aren't afraid to speak out for fear of reprisals. The next type of discrimination is unique to disability and it applies to disability only because it's in relation to discrimination arising from disability. So this is slightly different, again, to the direct discrimination and indirect discrimination, which also apply to disability. This just adds a unique point of discrimination for disability claims. And in short, it means that an employee has protection from being treated unfavorably because of something arising in consequence of their disability. So for example, If an employee is dismissed because they've taken time off to attend a medical appointment, for example, um, because it's necessary for their disability, then they would have a claim for, or a potential claim, for discrimination arising from disability. As with indirect discrimination, they may very well have a defence if they can show that it's a proportionate means of achieving a legitimate aim. So something else to be aware of in relation to disability And following on from that is another separate type of discrimination claim that's relevant to disability only. And this is something that you may have heard of and which I was alluding to earlier, which is a failure to make reasonable adjustments. So if an employee is put at a disadvantage in the workplace because of a disability, then you as the employer have a duty to make reasonable adjustments to premises or working practices to assist them. Quite a straightforward example of this is where somebody is partially sighted um, and they need a specialist software on their computer to enable them to fulfill their job at the same speed as their colleagues, then an employer would, in most cases, be liable under the Equality Act if they failed to make that reasonable adjustment. Now, it's quite a complicated area and not something I want to go into in this basics episode, but it does have to be a reasonable adjustment. So, oftentimes people think, well, if they are in a building that has stairs and they take on an employee who cannot walk up and down stairs do they have to put in a lift would that be a reasonable adjustment and the answer is that it may not be a reasonable adjustment but there are lots of factors to take into consideration not least what the building is like what the costs would be and whether there are any other ways in which you can reduce that disadvantage so um just in short it really is what it says it has to be a reasonable adjustment that would help to eliminate or reduce the disadvantage of a disabled person. So there we are. That's just a quick rundown of discrimination um, and the Equality Act for you. So the different protected characteristics, the things you need to be aware of and the types of discrimination claim. As I said at the beginning, it is a complicated area of law. It can be difficult to get your head around, and particularly around the different types of protected characteristics to start with, then the types of discrimination, and also obviously the consequences of getting it wrong. There are, however, in my view, four simple ways that you can avoid uh, discrimination issues and make your life easier. Um, The first is to be nice and create a fair and reasonable working environment. The second is to have good policies and procedures in place which set out your commitment to fairness and equality. The third is to share those policies and procedures with everyone by training staff on the Equality Act, telling them what their obligations are and what your requirements are. And ideally, all staff should have some form of training about the Equality Act. I understand that sometimes that can't be done practically but if you can't do it practically then just at least ensure that your managers and and most importantly the senior people in your organization have some training and then finally is to seek advice from a specialist and I would just like to say and add there fortunately myself and my colleagues at Real Employment Law Advice can help you with all of those points we can help you. My passion is actually helping you to be the best employer you can. So the first thing about being nice and creating a fair and reasonable working environment, I would very much love to help you with. And then in terms of policies, training and specialist advice, of course, we can help with all of those things. So I hope you found that episode helpful. And as I said, if you want to share the episode with managers and colleagues just to give them a bit of a flavour about discrimination, uh, a sort of short understanding to the basics, then um, at least you're making a start and getting them educated and training them. And of course if you want any help or assistance or you have any questions or examples or anything you want to share with the podcast audience then I would love to hear from you. My email address is alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk you can connect with me on LinkedIn. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of those things. And you can follow the firm's page um, on LinkedIn as well. So thanks very much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic two weeks and I look forward to speaking to you again in a fortnight's time. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you, that the information in this podcast is for information only it's general review and a general update it's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances so please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast but please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice